You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash Film School. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. The history of horror film is essentially a history of anxiety in modern times. While some chart the struggle according to the timeless coordinates of good versus evil, many more horror films unnerve us simply by manifesting disorder, finding the uncanny in the everyday. With us is Kelly Kirshner of UCI's Visual Studies program, who has lectured on A Cinema Without Organs, Musical Values and Fields of Vibration in Horror Film. Kelly Kirshner, welcome to Film School. Thank you for having me on your show. How are you doing today? You're, you're out in Milwaukee right now. Yes, I am. Yeah. And I've already seen quite a few Halloween costumes on the street today. What are they dressing up in right now? There's a lot of demons out here, I think. <laughs> This is the Midwest. We're calling that the repressed. <laughs> is that right? You think you think yes. that's where, where demons come from? Well, that's, that's what I've heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's get into that a little. The repression just brings me right up to the uncanny. Can you can you just talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, the uncanny was something that Sigmund Freud talked about. He wrote an essay called The Uncanny. And what the uncanny is is something that is both very familiar and also very strange. So the uncanny is supposed to be something that arises from within your Yourself, a horror, a dread, something that seems so familiar to be so right at home with you, but then there's something so slightly off about it, it creeps you out. I think some people might describe it as, uh, I feel like someone just walked over my grave. There are a lot of images in horror that will recall the uncanny. One way to think of what the uncanny actually is, is if you wake up at night and one of your arms is asleep, uh-huh. <laughs> and you, you know it's your arm, but you yeah. don't know it's your arm. <laughs> that That is that moment of horror that the uncanny might precipitate in you. And often, you know, dolls are seen as very uncanny because they're familiar, because they look very human-like, but they're not human at all. And so dolls are, are something that little girls will play with. And at the same time, a doll who walks around with a knife is going to be very frightening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Chuck. Yeah. How does that play out in the sound of horror? I think the uncanny has a lot to do with the fear of what is not seen, Mm-hmm. You know, the fear of things that aren't right in front of you. So often you'll hear that are coming um, up behind you and you turn around and there's nothing there. Uh-huh. And in a horror film, that sort of sound environment would make somebody jump if all of a sudden something else happened. So so basically you're always preparing the audience through the sound for either the thing that's going to happen visually or another thing that was going to happen on the auditory range. We're very visual people, very visual culture, and sound has the ability to get in between the chinks of our armor visually because Mm -hmm. we spend a lot of time looking at things and then sound can creep up behind us very easily. Which brings us to the Bernard Herrmann score for Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, in particular, the shower scene.
that whole scene plays out with, without any screaming, without any human sounds. What, exactly. is, what is that saying about the sound and, and violence? What are we really touching on here with those strings and, and the deep resonance at the end of it? Well, of course, uh, there's the woman who is at that moment being stabbed by the killer who's wearing a wig and a house dress. And he's stabbing her and she's her mouth opens as if to scream and then the music comes in. Mm-hmm. And the music itself is sort of an auditory knife. So the violins are coming in, and they sound just like a knife going up and down as if to stab her. And at the same time, there's a trope in horror where a woman is a central figure in horror because a woman plays a double role as both victim and also monster in a certain way. In this particular scene, the sound replaces her scream, which renders her even more of a victim. She doesn't even have the agency to scream. And at the same time, the music... Uh, has such a power in that scene. It makes it a lot more frightening to the audience because you expect to hear a scream. There's a lot of expectations that happen in any sort of genre film. Um, Horror is one of those that has an exceedingly high amount of expectations for it. And then when one of those expectations is changed a little bit, it really plays with the audience. It's something completely unexpected, which makes it even more frightening. In that particular piece of music, there is a part of it, the sort of that deep sound. I took that it's her heartbeat beginning to slow down and eventually expire in that scene. Right. Her entire bodily process is taken over by the music. Yeah. And also, you know, you don't hear any of the other ambient sounds. You don't hear the water going down the drain. I mean, one of the famous images of that scene right at the end of the scene is the blood is, it's black and white, so the blood is going down the drain, and you then have uh, a close-up on her eye as she dies. The end of the music is coming right at that point. Well, there's a st- in that scene, as the she pulls the shower curtain, the ringlets start to pop as they go, as she pulls down, as she falls. Right. She falls down, and her eye becomes the drain that fades into that scene. The music becomes a substitute for her, for her persona, for her ability to, to scream, and for her very life functions, so it, it it displaces all of all of what you your normal expectations are, and puts the music front and center. I want to get personal now, Kelly. I want to know how it is you first got involved in in the horror genre. Was there was there some film that you saw, or you just like spooky stuff in general? This is kind of a funny question because you know when I was very into watching horror films because nothing really scared me. Uh-huh. <laughs> which is really interesting because the horror cycle itself goes through horror films go through cycles where they will come out with some films that really scare you, and then there are a bunch of films that never scare anybody. But uh, until I saw the uh, Freddy Krueger film, Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one, I wasn't scared by any film that I'd seen. I think that I really became interested in finding out why, and sort of I started collecting uh, things about, about horror itself, not just horror films, but I loved reading H.P. Lovecraft and all the old uh, horror literature, uh-huh. um, because I found the psychological, like I was, I was very much a reader when I was a kid. So I got into horror film because I think I always had these things in my head. Um, I would imagine what these things were looking like, these ghosts in these castles and things like that. And I, I guess I found horror films lacking for a long time. But then as I studied horror films over time, I found key films that really affect me. And I was just very curious about all of that. Have you discovered why Freddy Krueger frightened you as opposed to the others? It might have been that uh, fear is infecting. I was in a room with about 
for for other people who were screaming regularly <laughs> throughout the film. Ah. And then my brother, my brother taped butter knives to his hands and crawled behind the couch and and, and grabbed my arm. Well, <laughs> well, that would be. Does the dream, the dream within the dream part of it, is that something yeah, you find particularly scary? Right, and that, that's incredibly frightening um, to, yeah. you know, you're completely helpless when you're asleep, and there's the dream within the dream, and you think you're awake and you're not awake. You're never quite sure what state you're in and what a level of control you have over what's frightening you in your sleep. And you can't get away. That's the right, other part exactly. of it. In those with dream within a dream, you just cannot get out. That's one of those primal fears. Your, your body is completely immobile when, when you're asleep. Your brain is off somewhere. You're unconscious of somewhere. But, you know, if someone creeps up on you, you know, in real life, you don't really have control over that. And that's so that is one of the primal fears of humanity. I want to ask you a real basic question about the horror genre, because it has sort of evolved in terms of the perspective. It used to be that you were watching the monster or the murder or the Dracula perform certain they would do what they did to scare people or to kill them and then in the 70s with the uh with the beginning of halloween and other horror films slasher films i guess you might call them we were seeing it from the perspective of the killer or the or the monster and so that changed the way that people perceived and watched films in every decade there is a kind of horror there's a kind of fear that they play upon in the 30s you have Frankenstein Dracula. In the 40s, you have more of a psychological horror. The 50s are the creature features. By the time you get to the 70s, I think people are, are starting to sympathize a little bit more about what about society has turned this person into a killer. And like a film like Halloween, especially, it goes back to, say, some sort of primal scene that changed him into that horrible killer he was. And usually in the course of the film, you find out that there's something really bad that somebody did 20 years ago. So basically the shift of blame is, yes, there's one person doing the killing, but really society is to blame for, for turning that person and making it impossible for him to be any other way. So in the 70s, that is something that, that we're thinking about as a society, where perhaps in the 50s we weren't thinking about quite that sort of thing because we were concerned with the Cold War right. but- and other sort of threats from you know, outside of, of the country. We're speaking with Kelly Kirshner of UCI's Visual Studies program about the sounds of horror in film. Is there something you find fascinating about the violence, the increase of violence in more recent horror films? My favorite kinds of horror films are not the splasher films, not the outright horror films. I do love the classic monster films, though. Where my love of everything really kind of comes together with horror is, as an artist and as a scholar, I work with sound, and I think sound itself, just by its very nature, has um, a side to it that can be very frightening. And I've always been very curious of why certain sounds might frighten us over others, and why a perfectly innocuous sound, given the right circumstances, will shake you out of your boots. So I think that that, combined with my love of these, you know, the, the lighting that they use in certain horror films and, and just that sense of suspense and, and sitting on the edge of your seat and really bringing you out of what might be a mundane everyday existence um, just for a couple hours. Speaking of bringing you out of a mundane everyday existence and shaking you out of your boots, I've always been fond of the body snatcher scream from the 1970s Philip Kaufman version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers.
Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the exhale at the end of that. There's, I know. <laughs> there's there's this, this horrifying, blood-curdling, almost hollow scream going on. And Sutherland is uh, in San Francisco. He's, he's out there in the museum area. He's pointing down, fingering out one of the non-body snatchers. One of the last. Yeah. The very last, as far as we know. It, it's almost, you know, I'm not trying to sound like a film critic here, but it's almost like Hitchcock in that the sound itself doesn't seem to be coming from him. It seems to be coming from somewhere else. That is a really big part of that because, you know, the all the rest of the bodies have already been snatched, and so it's this more like fear of communism. This, everyone's been taken over, and I'm the last individual left. Um, and at the same time, a lot of our humanity rests upon our ability to use language uh-huh. and our ability to discern words and meanings. And when Don, Donald Sutherland's character is pointing, and, and he goes from being a very eloquent speaker and somebody who uh, has a real goal and he's on the same side as that other person, he all of a sudden points, opens his mouth in this unearthly like scream, or, or it's not even, it's a voice, but it's not a voice. It's sort of, he's been taken over. It's signified by his complete lack of language and his complete lack of the individual he was. And that's incredibly frightening to to most of us. Mm-hmm. And, and to be singled out too. Uh, the, oh yeah, the, the woman who is single. The one. Yeah, that that is a reoccurring theme. There are, there is a, it's particularly in the fifties, if I'm not mistaken. Sort of the horror f- films became somewhat um, the alienation films. Yeah, yeah, they they became somewhat of a uh, covertly political films. And uh, oh yeah. I mean, creature features like Creature from the Black Lagoon or The Thing, you know, these things where it's aliens who are buried in the earth. I mean, you know, The Stranger has always been among us, that sort of thing. Um, Or The Creature from the Black Lagoon. I mean, what's more frightening than something that comes up from under the water? It is playing upon Cold War fears. If you look in every decade, there's something about the horror films that looks at what social fears are, societal fears, and plays upon that in order to sort of give you little bits of relief. The audience gets to, in a comedy, laugh for a while. In a horror, you get to scream for a while. And therefore, it, it's almost a method of trolling, um, say, a low level of fear all the time by giving you these punctuating moments where you're allowed to express your fear in, in an you know, acceptable way. And it also becomes a kind of pornography. Right. They're, it's, it's part of the, you know, they're called body genres. Uh-huh. Um, there are things that, that involve your body in a way that that, you know, gives you, so, so laughter is that way, screams are that way. And, you know, in, in pornography, the orgasm is seen to be that sort of thing, too. But there are these uh, just moments, even in the films, where, you know, in a comedy film, it won't be funny for a while, and then all of a sudden it'll be really funny. And in horror, you know, they keep you on the edge of your seat for a while, and then all of a sudden it's, it's almost like you're allowed to scream or you're made to scream against your control. And that's, that is a very gratifying experience for people who, you know, um, there are certain rules we follow in society, and we don't even think about those rules because it's just a part of who we are. Mm. But in a horror film, you're allowed to scream out loud, which is not necessarily something you're going to do in the supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> now, that that could also, you know, speaking of body genres, that could have been taken out of a porn film. Yeah, that could it, have gone either way on that. It's, yeah. it's a horror film, and, it, and it's, it's funny how that works. I, I don't know if it's funny, but it's, it's, it's a curiosity. I think it's, it's part of the studies we're trying to figure out is, is, is what the connect there is, what, what visceral things 
about horror are, are, are similar to other things in our lives and, and how that helps us release them when we go to the movies and see something like that. We see someone in great pain. Well, what are we really doing? Well, oh, yeah, I know. We can, we, can, we can tell ourselves how sick we really are. Uh-huh. Now, you were talking about how, how horror has changed through the decades, and I'm just going to play a little cut here. It's, it's a, pretty much a disclaimer on the original Frankenstein, and then maybe we can talk about how things have changed. Mr. Carl Emily feels it would be a little unkind to present this picture without just a word of friendly warning. We are about to unfold the story of Frankenstein, a man of science who sought to create a man after his own image without reckoning upon God. It is one of the strangest tales ever told. It deals with the two great mysteries of creation, life and death. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now is your chance to, uh, well, we've warned you. Those same sort of warnings go on even today in, in one way or another. Yeah. But the, the level of horror and the level of violence has, has gone way up. Do you see us backing off from it a little bit or are we just going to keep pushing toward, see what kind of extremes we can go toward? Well, it is kind of interesting because... Well, that, that sort of warning thing was, uh, you know, revived by Hitchcock and um, by, you know, numerous other psychological horror and also, you know, physical horror. But at a certain point, and this is what has changed about the horror genre, and this is why it goes through these cycles, because especially at the very beginning, 1930, well, the beginning of the Hollywood horror cycle, 1931, you have Dracula, you have Frankenstein. And then by the end of the decade, you have Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, and the sort of parodies. The yeah. thing is, is people get used to what they're going to look at and people stop being afraid. And so especially in the horror genre, then you come up with something new for them to be afraid of. And so it goes, you know, it goes up, it goes a little bit down, it goes back up, it goes a little bit down. You know, by the time the slashers are coming around, okay, you should be very afraid of someone coming and hacking you to pieces. So even the slasher film, you watch it and you sort of know it's not real, but every so often somebody will come up with a new twist well, and that will frighten you again. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a wrinkle in this, and that is that um, I would say that in our day and age, we're afraid of this unspeakable terror, which we don't know where it'll come from and what will happen, and that sort of exacerbates our our uh, our anxiety and I and also torture. And I would mm-hmm. I've noted uh, that over the last few years, torture has become an integral part of uh, of horror films, and I would call Saw the the Saw series as just essentially torture pornography, really, from what I've been able from what I've seen in these films. So. Yeah, and I would also point out the movie Hostel, which which yeah. I won't say it's the best movie, but it. it that in itself was two movies to me. There was the first half, which which was more like the, uh, say, uh, teens, whatever. It was a bunch of kids going out and going crazy. The second half was all about Eastern Europe, dungeons, torture, and it was very pornographic horror. It actually made me a little sick, which doesn't actually usually happen in horror films yeah, for me. Yeah. So there's something about that that really was playing on something I was thinking about for sure. And on that horrifying note, Kelly, are you planning on anything especially horrifying this Halloween night? Yeah, I think I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be eaten apart by birds later. 
And then I'm, I'm going to be... You're going uh, to be what? Torn apart by birds? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's, that's my costume. <laughs> oh, Perfect. Good. Wonderful. I love those costumes. Did you go out and get a lot of little uh, blackbirds? Is that what you did? And, yeah, they're, yeah, they're actually... I think they, they look nicer than blackbirds, actually. Ah. They look like the kind of birds that you'd want to give birdseed to. But they're, they're, I have... It's a kinetic costume, so I have... Uh, scars, and if I move my head, the birds actually do the pecking. Oh, so, very <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's very funny. I'll send you a picture. We'd love that. Kelly Kirshner of UCI's Visual Studies Program, thanks for being part of Film School's Halloween special. Yeah, thank you for having me. To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast visit our website at KUCI.org slash filmschool.